Hello, everyone. This is Monica Reinagel, and you're listening to the Nutrition Diva podcast. I'm so glad to have you with us today. Every year in January, the U.S. News and World Report comes out with their ranking of popular diets. This annual report reviews the details and the data around a few dozen of the most popular diet plans and then ranks them from best to worst overall, as well as in a number of subcategories like heart health and weight loss. And the diets are rated by an expert panel of nutritionists, dietary consultants, researchers, and physicians who specialize in diabetes, heart health, and weight loss. Joining me today to discuss the results of this year's rankings is my colleague, Jill Weisenberger. Jill is a registered dietitian nutritionist. She's also a certified diabetes educator and the author of four books. The latest one is called Pre-Diabetes, A Complete Guide. But the reason I've asked Jill to join us today is that she was also a member of that panel of experts that rated the diets this year for U.S. News and World Reports. So I thought it would be interesting not just to talk with her about the results, but also maybe get a little peek behind the scenes at the process. Welcome to the Nutrition Diva podcast, Jill. Hi. So is this the first time that you have been on this panel or have you been doing this for a while now? This is my third year, my third set of rankings. My first year was 2018. Um, So the first seven years were without me. (laughs) Well, they're making progress then. (laughs) Well, tell us a little bit about the process. Does the panel, do do you all have any input into which diets are going to be rated or are those always selected by the journal? Those are selected by the people who work for U.S. News. And do you know um, what criteria they use to select them? Yes. They look at the things that are very popular. It's Mm. not what they think is good or bad or best or worst. They look at what is very, very popular. So for example, this year we ranked 35 diets, but last year I think we ranked 40. And I think the year before there were 38. So they, they add some, they subtract some, depending on just the popularity of what people are, are talking about and, and doing. So the list includes diets that have been around for decades, as well as, as you say, some of the newer, more trendy diets. Do you know if any of the diets that got ranked this year were brand new first time to the list? I No, there was actually nothing that was brand new this year. There are actually five less. So five diets from last year disappeared, but I can't remember off the top of my head which ones they were. They were just the the least popular. Okay, so you get your list of diets that you're going to review, and then what sort of things do you, the panelists, take into consideration as you are ranking the diets or scoring the diets? Mm -hmm. Okay, so we don't meet as a group. I know a lot of people ask that question. If we meet as a group and hash things out, that's not the way it's done. We just work out on our own with a very long questionnaire where we're asked questions about how we think it holds up against healthy eating in general, like the dietary guidelines, what we think it will do based on rapid weight loss or long-term weight loss, heart health, diabetes, that type of thing, like you mentioned earlier. And they give us a profile. So the folks at US News give us a profile for each diet. And we, we use that. We use what else we know in our own experience. So I've been in 
dietitian and a diabetes educator for many, many years. I have tons of experience working with people. We have lots of various, lots of types of diets and various success and so forth. So we answer the questions based on, on that. So our own experience, what we look up in terms of research. So the profile includes research summaries with links so we can go and find out more. So it sounds very comprehensive. I can see why that would have taken you so long to to go through that, but it mm-hmm. also sounds very thorough and very comprehensive. I feel so. I, I feel like I, I know I spent a lot of time. I would have to assume that others others did as well. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about the results of this year's ranking. So topping the rankings for overall best diet this year was the Mediterranean diet, which has been at or near the top of the list for years. Yes. And other diets in that top 10 for overall best diet included the DASH diet, flexitarian diet, the mind diet. Many of these are diets that my listeners will recognize because I've done podcasts on them in the past. But in your view, what do these top-rated diets seem to have in common? Is there a common thread? Yes. So the, the top diets, particularly the top three, are very, very similar. So that's Mediterranean, DASH, and Flexitarian. So the top diets tend to be more whole food-based, and they tend to have a plant slant. So they may not be vegetarian and they aren't vegan, but Mediterranean, DASH, Flexitarian, New Nordic, Mind, these diets definitely have a plant slant. It doesn't surprise me which ones rank at the top. Well, it also seemed to me that another thing that these top diets had in common is that they were not so much a set of of rigid dietary rules Mm -hmm. or a specific meal plan that you had to follow, but more a, a guideline, a set of eating habits, almost a lifestyle approach. I would agree with that for sure. The one that's probably the most prescriptive would be DASH because, as I know you're aware, that was a diet that was designed by the NIH as a research tool originally to look at how we can lower blood pressure. So that one is probably the most prescriptive, but even that one has a lot of flexibility in it. So at the other end of the list for overall best diets were the Atkins diet, the Ducan mm-hmm. diet, the ketogenic diet, which are all very low carb approaches. Right. But I noticed that some of the other things at the bottom of the list were things like the raw foods diet, paleo and whole 30. Now those are not low carb diets per se. Was there a common denominator there or did these all end up at the bottom of the list for different reasons, do you think? I think that they ended up at the bottom of the list because they're restrictive. Ah. So they're taking away a lot of foods. And then that, of course, lowers the score on the ease of following the diet. And that is one of the things that is that is scored, ease of following it. And as you said, the flexibility of those others' diet, diets make it easier to follow. That gave them a higher score overall. Um, the other thing about it is dropping out a bunch of foods you have less nutrition. If you think about all those phytonutrients that we have in our plant foods, like 4,000 plus phytonutrients or phytochemicals that help fight disease, protect us from cancer, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, so forth, those are largely in the foods that are taken away in these various groups. And then when it comes to Whole30, there's something else in there that's really kind of um, 
a problem for me. And that is that you have to follow a very rigid prescription for 30 days. And if you mess up by one bite or one lick, you have on day 29 or day 30, you have to start back at day one. And I just think that is a horrible message to tell people that either you're a hundred percent right, or you're a total loser. Well, and you know, one of the things a lot of people don't understand about the whole 30 is that it was designed not by health or nutrition professionals, but, but for what it's worth, it was designed as a method of identifying food sensitivities. And Mm -hmm. so it's, it's essentially an elimination diet where, its effectiveness might be dependent on strict compliance so that you can get that. But you know, it's not the best elimination diet out there. And I think most people don't think of it as, as a, as an elimination diet. They think of it as a weight loss diet or a detox or a cleanse or, you know, some other kind of, you know, healthy diet reset. So there's a lot of, I think, misunderstanding about the whole 30 diet. Mm -hmm. I agree. So Jill, some of the diets that ranked at the bottom of the list for overall diet actually ranked highest in subcategories such as the one for fast weight loss. Mm-hmm. Now, right. frankly, I have always had a problem with that category. <laughs> to me, <laughs> me too. <laughs> it seems like a bit of an oxymoron because I think that fast weight loss is much more likely to be temporary weight loss. So that's generally not what I'm looking for in a diet plan. But still, this this disparity between you know the ones that were best for fast weight loss were at the bottom of the list for overall healthfulness. So do we need a different diet to lose weight than we do just need to stay healthy? Well, I don't think so. I think that the fast weight loss diets really set us up to have two sets of unhealthful eating patterns. One is when we're losing weight and one is when we're not gaining weight. And so I, I think it's not a good idea at all. But to answer the question in the survey, is this diet likely to lead to fast weight loss? You know, I had to say yes to keto and things like that. So that's how it gets up there because I think it is it is true. We see more rapid weight loss with very low carbohydrate diets than we do with other diet plans. But by the time you get out to year one and year two, there's really no difference anymore. Mm-hmm. And of course, I prefer the diets that were rated overall for weight loss I don't care how long it takes you to lose weight. And I don't mean you personally, of course, Monica, but I don't care how long it takes somebody to lose weight. I just want them to lose it and keep it off. Absolutely. Well, you're preaching to the choir here. So I guess <laughs> when you're looking for fast weight loss, you need to be you know, careful what you wish for. So Jill, you specialize in diabetes education. So let's talk a little bit about that particular subcategory of the rankings because the diets were also looked at specifically in relationship to diabetes. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that in this case, the best diets for diabetes were actually very similar to the best diets overall. So why is there so much higher concordance between diabetes health and overall health than there is, say, between overall health and heart health or weight loss? I think overall health and heart health and diabetes all go together pretty congruently. But with weight loss, we really have to look at calorie control and we have to look at long-term lifestyle of behavior changes. So that's why weight loss, I think, might fall outside Mm -hmm. the range or the realm of, of the others. But the reason that I think diabetes, particularly diabetes prevention and overall aligned so closely is because diabetes prevention really has to be 
a healthy eating pattern. It is not, it should not be something like a very low carb ketogenic diet. Though some people will think that we want to look at the foods that actually help prevent diabetes. And some of those are high in carbohydrate. We have, you know, evidence that shows that berries and yogurt are linked to lower risks of type 2 diabetes. We know that oats and barley have beta-glucan, which is known for its cholesterol-lowering properties, but it's also good at managing blood glucose. Mm. So I think that, that the it makes a, it makes perfectly good sense, but I think it might be surprising to people because when they think diabetes prevention or diabetes management, they automatically think low carbohydrate. Right. And of course, with prevention and management, we are looking for something that can be sustainable, that we can mm-hmm. maintain long-term because we don't want to just prevent diabetes for 60 days or, exactly. or, or three months. This is something that we want to do for a lifelong you know, we are hearing so much these days about, you mentioned plant slant earlier, but we're mm-hmm. hearing an awful lot about plant-based diets being healthier for both people and the planet. And I think a lot of people looking at these rankings might be surprised that the vegan diet was actually halfway down the list at number 17 in terms of overall best diets. Although I will say the vegetarian diet was higher at, at number nine. Mm-hmm. What do you think hurt the vegan diet in these in this particular rating process? Well, I can't speak for the other panelists, obviously, so I'm going on my own experience and just what I could assume, but it's probably ease of following is one thing that made it lower in the rankings. But then also, when we put an emphasis on avoiding foods, which unfortunately is the way vegan is framed, it I would prefer if it were framed as healthy plant foods, but really the majority of people frame it as, I don't eat animal foods. And when we look at diets of exclusion like that, the guidelines to eat health-boosting foods just aren't there sometimes. So I can have a vegan diet and eat potato chips and Twizzlers mm-hmm. you know, all day long. And that's still vegan. So I think those are the two reasons, just the ease of following it and then the lack of specific guidance for quality nutrition. Ah, I was actually wondering whether it had something to do with the fact that a vegan diet does uh, exclude certain, certain nutrients that we really can only easily get from animal foods. And, you know, of course it is possible to build a complete and healthy and balanced vegan diet, but you mm-hmm. do have to work a little bit harder at it. Exactly. Exactly. So B12 is the only nutrient that you're not going to be able to get on a totally vegan diet. And you really do need it in a supplemented mm-hmm. f- food, a supplement or a fortified food like a breakfast cereal. Right. Well, were there, you know, as you said, the panel did not confer with one another. You all were sort of ranking things in isolation and then mm-hmm. presumably they just crunched all these numbers yes, to what come up with this kind of like the uh, the Academy Awards, right? Yes. So were there any rankings that differed significantly from your personal opinion? Anything that, that jumped out at you when you saw the final rankings that you thought, wow, that's not how I ranked them? Um, honestly, I'd have to go back and look at my rankings to see, but I've never done that. But there is one that surprises me only a little bit, and that is the Nordic diet. That one ranked ninth overall, 
which tied with Ornish and vegetarian. But the concept of the new Nordic diet is so similar to the Mediterranean style diet. It's eat basically it's eat wholesome foods that are local to you mm. that I'm surprised that it wasn't closer to the Mediterranean diet ranking. And mm. the reason that I, that I'm going to guess that it wasn't is because we have a lot of research studies. We can look at PubMed or various journals on the Mediterranean diet, like we can with the, um, the DASH diet, but there are much fewer research studies out there and published on the new Nordic diet, even though it is just so very similar in concept to the Mediterranean diet. Right. It's kind of a a Mediterranean diet for people who live in colder climates. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. There's a couple of of different things that I think don't show up in a Mediterranean diet. Um, I think it says use organic produce whenever Mm -hmm. possible and produce less waste. I think those are two things that are actually specific guidelines in the new Nordic diet that aren't in a Mediterranean diet. But the concept of the foods that you eat, it's just so, so similar. Well, there is an enormous amount of research on the Mediterranean diet. It's got to be one of the most studied diets in the history of nutrition research. And I once heard Mm -hmm. it said that was because researchers would much rather go to Greece on their travel grants and their research grants than, uh, say, Alaska or Norway. (laughs) Uh, Norway is so incredibly beautiful, just like Greece is, but boy, is it cold. Yeah. Well, people who watch these ratings closely from year to year, which to be perfectly honest, is probably mostly people in the media like you and me mm-hmm. often, you know, comment on how the diets are moving up and down the charts, sort of like we talk about how songs or movies move up and down the charts. But given the process here, there probably wouldn't be a lot of movement from year to year unless maybe some new research comes to light. So right. are any movements in the ratings from year to year mostly just the result of maybe changes in the reviewing panel? Because there is a little bit of subjective judgment here. Yes, there is. We're all basing a lot of this on our own experience, Mm. whether it be research experience or working with with people. Like I just worked one-on-one with people for 20 plus years. So we all have our own lens that we view it from. The panel is much larger than it used to be. I don't know if it changed this year, though it very likely could have. But over the years, the panel has grown significantly. So that would make a difference in the rankings. And then any new research that comes out would also make a difference. And then, like I said, this year there were 35 diets, but last year there were 40. Mm-hmm. So just because of that, just because they're being a different number, there's going to be some movement. It'll jostle things around a little bit. Mm-hmm. So in your view, now that you've been through this whole process and we finally have this year's rankings, how can consumers best use this information? What's this actually good for? I like to take the the three top diets or the eight top diets or nine, whatever, and then look at what they have in common and how you can make that part of your own personal path. Hmm. So I don't think that we need to pick up any diet book, even though I've written a few books, (laughs) I don't think we need to pick up any diet book and think that that is the one path to health. Yes. So I have said so many times in my life and in my writing that there's more than one way to a healthy plate. And I think that this 
rankings speaks to that as well. So I say just look at the ones that speak to you and find the best parts of each one, two or three or five or whatever and move forward. Yes, and one of the convenient things about this report is that it does give you a pretty complete summary of the, you know, the overall design and, and mm-hmm. points of each diet in one centralized place. It's a little bit of a clearinghouse. Yes, good point. And we will have a link to that entire report in our show notes today, as well, of course, as links to Jill's website, which is jillweisenberger.com and her books. And you'll find the transcript and all of those links on our website at quickanddirtytips.com. Jill, thanks so much for sharing your insights into this year's diet rankings. And by the time folks are listening to this interview, you and I will be in Budapest together attending a nutrition conference. So I will wish you safe travels and I will see you you very soon on the other side of the Atlantic. Yes, my pleasure to chat with you today. (laughs) Thanks. Our show is produced by Nathan Sems, edited by Karen Hertzberg, and our team at Macmillan Audio also includes Morgan Ratner, Michelle Margulis, Emily Miller, and our director, Kathy Doyle. Thanks so much for listening this week and remember to eat something good for me.